on what station can you hear talk shows, country music, Gaelic music, oldies, funk, and more? Why, it's the University of Central Missouri's The Beat, the best in college radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the second episode of Inside the Diamond. I'm your host, Colin Somewhere, and on today's show, I'll first tell you about the latest news around the MLB, then we'll talk about spring training starting this week, a World Baseball Classic, and more. That's all coming up right here on UCM The Beat. So let's first start off by giving you the latest of MLB news. Christian Yelich apparently went off the grid for the offseason in order to recharge. So he did not hear that Trey Turner got traded. In other news, Jordan Alvarez is being bothered with a sore left hand, which was also a problem for him irregularly throughout last season. Now let's tell you about the top five pitchers who could lead the league in strikeouts in 2023. First up, we got Spencer Strider. He had a 38.3% strikeout rate last season, and he is also the fastest pitcher in ALNL history to reach the 200 strikeout plateau in a single season, doing so in 130 innings. And his strikeout rate was nearly 5 percentage points higher than that of any other pitcher who threw at least 130 frames in 2022. That included a 38.1% strikeout rate as a starter. He's a two-pitch pitcher. He's mostly fastball and slider. But the four-seamer is really his bread and butter, which can reach speeds of up to about 100 miles an hour, which is absolutely incredible. Number two, I'm going to take Garrett Cole. Now, he had 32% or better, strikeout rate in five consecutive seasons, guys. Five consecutive seasons. I think, in my opinion, this makes him one of the best pitchers in the MLB. He's very hard to hit against, you know. He claimed his second strikeout title last year despite small declines in his swinging strike and strikeout per nine rates. However, he finished no worse than sixth in each statistic. A 32.4% strikeout clip was... A five-year low for the Yankees' ace, but still good enough to rank third among qualified starters. Only Hall of Famer Randy Johnson has recorded more seasons with such a lofty strikeout percentage. Now, like like Randy Johnson, a.k.a. the big unit, Cole leans on his high-velocity fastball and high-width slider to sit down opposing hitters. His fastball is one of the fastest I've ever seen, guys. It's very impressive. Moving on, we got Carlos Rodon from the New York Yankees. Wow, two Yankees on this list. That's kind of shocking. Really, the Yankees have had always had good pitching, but they've got even better pitching this year with Carlos Rodon. He had a 33.9 strikeout rate since 2021. Now listen to this. No pitcher has thrown at least 200 innings since, since the start of 21 and struck out a higher percentage of batters he's faced than Rodon. The pitcher he's just ahead of on that list, it's Garrett Cole, selected just ahead with the second pick in this draft. Nothing wrong with a little healthy competition, especially when the end result is more opposing batters struck out and more success on the mound, for the Yankees staff as a whole. Rodon got 135 strikeouts on his four-seamer in 2022, which was tied with Cole and his four-seamer for the most by a pitcher in on a single pitch type. Rodon also had 93 strikeouts on his slider, making him the only pitcher with at least 90 strikeouts on multiple pitch types in 2022. In fact, he's done that in each of the last two seasons, with his only other companion on that list being 2021 Robbie Ray. Next up, we got Dylan Cease, who had... 33.9% whiff rate since 2021. Perhaps the only thing preventing Seeds from having already won the strikeout crown is his control issues. He made 32 starts. He's made 32 starts in each of the past two seasons, but he's only pitched 
165 and two-thirds innings and 184 innings respectively, an average of fewer than six innings per start. He led the AL with 34 walks during the pandemic shortened 2020 season. And though he lowered his walk rate from 13.3 in 2020 to 10.4 in 2022, he still handed out an MLB high 78 walks last season. You got to be able to throw strikes if you're in the major leagues. I think you got to be able to have control on the mound. And if you can't do that, that's going to lead to shorter outings. All these walks led to shortened outings for C's, who still managed to finish 7th across the majors in strikeouts in 2021 and 5th in 2022. So he's consistently finished in the top 10 every single year. But that's because when he commands the zone, he's very tough to hit. His 33.9% whiff rate over the past two seasons is the second best among qualified starters during that stretch, trailing only Corbin Burns. If Cease can improve on his walk rate by even the slightest of margins and get closer to 200 innings, then 250 strikeouts, and an MLB strikeout title is certainly within reach for sure. Next up, and last but not least, I'm going to have Corbin Burns. Now, I don't know who doesn't know what who Corbin Burns is, okay? This guy has had... 477 strikeouts since the start of the 2021 season. Guys, that is second in the MLB. Since becoming a full-time starter in 2021, Burns has racked up the strikeouts. Only Cole has more punch-outs over that span. 500 to Burns's five, excuse me, 477. And the two had virtually the same strikeout percentage in that period, the best among qualified starters. 32.9% for Cole and 32.8% for Burns. Now, there was some skepticism entering last season about whether Burns would hold up over a full season under starter's workload after making 28 starts the prior year and pitching 167 innings. He answered the bell, though, throwing 202 frames with a 2.94 ERA. Now, in my opinion, every single ERA under three is very good, okay? Every single ERA over three is okay. Every single ERA over four is horrible. That's just my philosophy. Now, he'll look to improve. He'll look to prove the doubters wrong again in 2023. With so many weapons at his disposal when he gets ahead of hitters, it's no wonder he's near the top in strikeouts the past two seasons. His overall whiff rate of 35.2% ranked in the 95th percentile among qualified starters in 2022. And his slider, changeup, and curveball all had whiff rates between 45 and 50%. He was mostly an equal opportunity distributor of put-away pitches, though he preferred the curve, which he threw 27.9% of the time, and the slider 27.5% of the time the most. Now, I expect much of the same from Corbin Burns in 2023. Let's look at how teams can defy their low playoff odds. Now, there's nine teams I'm going to talk about. Number one is going to be the San Francisco Giants. Now, why are they? Why are the odds stacked against them? They failed to secure the superstar bat seeking. They were seeking a free agency. Now, how can they defy these odds? Given the Giants' lack of elite bats, their best chance of reaching the postseason lies on the shoulders of their pitching staff. San Francisco allowed 697 runs last season, over 100 runs more than it gave up during its 107-win campaign in 2021. With Carlos Rodon gone, the Giants need Sean Manai and Ross Stripling to set up, to step up, and for Alex Wood and Anthony Desclafani to provide better results. In 2021, Wood and Desclafani combined for a 3.47 ERA over 57 starts. Last year, they posted a 5.29 ERA in 31 starts. San Francisco could also use more from former number two overall draft pick Joey Bart, who had a 660 OPS and struck out in 38.5% of his playoff appearances, excuse me, played appearances, 
in his first season replacing Buster Posey behind the plate. For those of you who do not know, I don't know who doesn't. Buster Posey's retired. I think that's a good decision. Moving on, we got the Los Angeles Angels, who have a 39% chance of making the playoffs. Fangraphs projects the Angels to win nine more games than they did last year, which was 73. After they spent the offseason adding solid veterans to their roster, however, there's a sizable gap between the Halos and the defending World Series champion Astros in the AL West. The Angels also, unfortunately, share a division with the Seattle Mariners, who won 90 games last season to end a 20-year playoff drought. Now, how can they defy the odds? Having a healthy and productive Anthony Rendon to go with Shohei Otani and Mike Trout would certainly help, but even that might not be enough if the Angels' offseason additions don't pay off. The Texas Rangers have a 33% chance of making the playoffs, and unfortunately they are also in the same division as the Astros. The Rangers are projected to win 13 more games than they did in 2022, which was 68. So they're projected to win 81 games, the largest in the MLB, but Fangrass also has Texas as just the ninth best AL team and the fourth best in the AL West. Now the, now the Rangers rotation is much improved, but how can they defy the odds? Fangraphs gives the Rangers just a 1-3 chance of reaching the playoffs this season despite projecting the club's shiny new rotation to be one of the best in baseball. I think the key for the Rangers this year is going to be from an offense that ranked 12th in the majors and runs scored last year. Moving on, we got the Boston Red Sox who have a 30.7% chance of making the playoffs. Now the AL East is stacked, which is pretty much why the odds are stacked against them. How can they defy these odds? More than anything, the Red Sox postseason hopes might rest on the health of Chris Sale and James Paxton, two pitchers who have made a combined 17 starts since the beginning of 2020. Now on the other side of the ball, Boston needs new starting shortstop, Kike Hernandez, to rebound after falling from 3.9 war, which for those of you who do not know, war is wins above replacement in 2021, to a whopping 0 0.5 in 2022. But unfortunately, Hernandez does not make up for the loss of Xander Bogart's bet on his own. Let's move on to the Chicago White Sox. They have a 27.8% chance of making the playoffs. A little bit better, but not, not really. They can defy these odds by, well, getting improved performances from rebound candidates such as Lucas Giolito and Yasmani Grandal, both of which struggled mightily last season. A breakout from Andrew Vaughn would also soften the blow of Jose Abreu's departure, who, if you do not know, Jose Abreu was traded to the Houston Astros. The Miami Marlins have a 17.5% chance of making the playoffs. The Marlins' postseason chances would get a significant boost if their rotation lives up to its potential. Moving on to the Arizona Diamondbacks, they have a 10.9% chance of making the playoffs. Now, the Diamondbacks took a step forward last season, but they had a minus 38 run differential and a 74-88 record. How can they defy these odds? There's a lot riding on Corbin Carroll's ability to make an immediate impact as a rookie. Now, for those of you who do not know, Corbin Carroll is MLB Pipeline's number two prospect. The team's lineup also needs more production from Cattell Marte, who hit 240 with 12 home runs over 137 games in 2022. Arizona's elite defense should help with its run prevention, but the club has to find a competent number five starter. Last season, Humberto Castellanos, Tommy Henry, Tyler Gilbert, and Dallas Keuchel combined to make 29 starts with a 6.05 ERA for the Diamondbacks who went 11-18 and 18 in those games. That was pretty horrible, in my opinion. 
The Orioles have a 9.9% chance of making the playoffs. They can defy these odds if multiple players from Baltimore's next wave of top prospects can do what Adley Rutschman did for the club last season. Now the Chicago Cubs. They are coming off a 74-88 record in 2022, and they were one of the offseason's busiest clubs, acquiring Dansby Swanson, Cody Bellinger, Jamison Tyone, Trey Mancini, Michael Fulmer, Tucker Barnhart, and, get this, Eric Hosmer. And they also saw Wilson Contreras jump to the rival Cardinals in free agency. Although their defense is much improved, much improved and their rotation might be better than expected, the Cubs' postseason chances will likely depend on how much they hit. They ranked 22nd in MLB last year with 657 runs scored, 115 fewer than the Cardinals, and 68 fewer than the Brewers. Now let's look at the payroll for these top 15 teams. I'll do the next 15 next week. The payroll for the New York Mets, starting in 2023, $336,143,332. That's a lot of money right there. Now the Yankees, they did not really do much in the offseason. I mean, they signed Aaron Judge, of course. But their payroll this year is $267,954,047. San Diego Padres have a $251 million payroll. The Phillies have $231 million. The Dodgers at $217 million. The Blue Jays at $205 million. The Angels at $202 million. What really surprises me in this list so far is the New York Mets. I did not expect them to spend a lot of money in this offseason without Jacob DeGrom, you know. Well, they had money. Um, they had money because Jacob DeGrom's contract was pretty big. The Houston Astros have a salary of $181 million, right around where the Texas Rangers stand. The Rockies, however, have $155 million to spend in 2023. The Rockies kind of shocked me because Chris Bryan is not enough to save this team. It's not even close, guys. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Coming up, I'll be talking about the World Baseball Classic. We'll talk about the big names on each team participating in the tournament. You're listening to Inside the Diamond on UCM The Beat. Did you know that it costs $0 to make someone smile? A simple act of kindness can go a long way. You may walk past tons of people a day, not even knowing their story. Someone could probably be having one of the worst days, but a simple compliment on their outfit or even helping them out with a small task can change a bad day to a good one. No matter what, always try to give your neighbor a reason to smile. Tobacco use affects youths all across the United States. Millions of youth are at risk for disease and even death due to tobacco use. Talk to your kids about tobacco use and how it can affect their lungs. Help keep the future of this nation safe from tobacco-related illnesses. According to a study by IBM, 95% of all cybersecurity breaches result from human error. That adds up to about $3.13 million of loss in 2020 alone, and accounts for acts like downloading infected files or software and storing weak passwords in easy-to-find places. When everything is online, you can't afford to not be. Protect yourself and others online. Learn more and how at CISA.gov. Hey, Dr. Phil here. I help people solve difficult and trying personal problems every day on my TV show, but there's one problem that's just got me stumped, childhood hunger. Nearly 16 million children in America struggle with it. That's one in five kids who may not know where their next meal is coming from, despite the fact that there's more than enough healthy, nutritious food out there to feed them all. Now, I don't know about you, but that is unacceptable to me. Luckily, the Feeding America network of good people is out there collecting surplus food and giving hope to hungry children and their families at local food banks all across the country. 
But let's face it, they can't do it without your help. Join me in supporting Feeding America and your local food bank at feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Together, we can solve hunger. Together, we're Feeding America. Music is a bridge between the material and the spiritual. My name is Harvey Lauer, and I'm 82. As a blind person, you have to be aware that nobody can tell you what you can or can't do. You really have to try things. My folks got me a little radio in 1940, and that was the best Christmas present I ever got. When I was 11 years old is when I started to uh, play music, play the piano, and then the accordion, and then the cello. My wife, who was also blind, was a good cook. When she died, that's when I started Meals on Wheels. America, let's do lunch. One in six seniors faces the threat of hunger, and millions more live in isolation. Drop off a hot meal and say a quick hello. Volunteer for Meals on Wheels by donating your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Blood drives are a significant event. 4.5 million people need a transfusion each year. One out of seven people entering a hospital need blood. And only 37% of the United States population is eligible to donate blood. It only takes about an hour to save a life. Even one pint of blood can save up to three people's lives. So, if you want to help, please visit redcrossblood.org to set up an appointment today. You are now turned into the dopest college radio station. UCM the beat. Keep it locked. U C M the beat. All right, guys, welcome back to Inside the Diamond. Let's talk about the World Baseball Classic. Now, for those of you who do not know what the World Baseball Classic is, it is basically a tournament where baseball teams from all over the world, such as Cuba, the USA, Venezuela, Puerto Rico, the Dominican Republic, Canada, and Mexico all compete to see who is the best. Let's see who the notable players are for the USA. First up, we got Pete Alonso, first baseman for the New York Mets. Pete Alonso is a great first baseman. He led the entire MLB in home runs in 2019, almost hitting 50, okay? That was very impressive. Nolan Arenado, third baseman for the St. Louis Cardinals, who is one of the best third basemen in the entire league. It's not even close. He is a fantastic defensive guy, okay? Tim Anderson, one of the best shortstops in the MLB, I think. He's definitely very, very talented. Mookie Betts is also on this list. Mookie Betts is a right fielder for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Paul Goldschmidt, first baseman for the St. Louis Cardinals, also a guy with a lot of power. There's guys with a lot of power on this list for the USA. Clayton Kershaw, however, does not have power, okay? He's not a hitter. He's a pitcher. So, and pitchers don't really hit that much these days. Clayton Kershaw, though, is one of the best pitchers in the MLB, I think. Bobby Witt Jr. is also on this list. That's not really surprising. Bobby Witt Jr. is one of the top prospects in the MLB, and he made his debut last year, did semi-good for his first season. Not too bad, but... He can improve this year, and I think he will with a new manager who actually knows how to communicate. Next up, we got Brady Singer, two back-to-back -back Royals. Wow, I know, the Royals on this list, that's pretty shocking because I'm going to be honest, as a Royals fan, this team is not exactly the best, but they got some talent. Brady Singer is the best pitcher on the Royals by far. Now, if you know, he had 10 wins last year, and... An ERA under 3.5, which is very good. Adam Wainwright, gosh, he's a dinosaur by now, I swear. Guy's been in the league for like at least at least 20 years at this point. He is on this list, though, and he deserves to be on this list. I do think that this is going to be his final MLB season. Trey Turner is on this list. 
talented shortstop, Mike Trout, the best center fielder in the entire league. It's not even close, guys. This kid is phenomenal. Kyle Tucker is also on this list, Houston Astros outfielder, and Jeff McNeil, the second baseman for the New York Mets. Let's move on to Venezuela. We got Jose Altuve at second base, Robinson Torinos and Salvador Perez as the notable catchers. The notable infielders include Miguel Cabrera, who is definitely, in my opinion, going to be in the Hall of Fame. It's very... He's a very talented guy, you know. Ronald Acuna Jr. is also on this list. Ronald Acuna Jr., if you guys do not know, I don't know who wouldn't know at this point. Ronald Acuna Jr. is one of the best outfielders in the entire MLB. Moving on, let's let's move on to the pitchers. And the most notable one on this list, in my opinion, is Martin Perez. If you you do not know who that is, he is a left-handed pitcher for the Texas Rangers. He also spent since with the Boston Red Sox and the Texas Rangers, more notably. Moving on, we got notable players from Puerto Rico, and this list is stacked. You got Jose Barrios, pitcher for the Toronto Blue Jays. Edwin Diaz, pitcher for the New York Mets. Marcus Stroman, also on the New York Mets. Martin Maldonado, Jorge Lopez, MJ Melendez is on this list. MJ Melendez is a catcher for the Royals who made his major league debut last season and did pretty good. He's got a he's got a good eye for the most part. Christian Vasquez, Javier Baez, Francisco Lindor, Kike Hernandez, and Eddie Rosario round out this list of notable players for the Puerto Rican team. For the Dominican Republic, this list, once again, is very stacked. Gary Sanchez, Willie Adamas, Robinson Cano, who I did not even know was still playing in the MLB. That guy's a dinosaur at this point. Willie Adamas, excuse me, I already said that. Rafael Devers, Wander Franco, who is one of the best infielders in the MLB, according to Rays fans. Now, I agree with them, but he has to stay on the field in order for them to really realize his potential. Nelson Cruz is also on this list. Manny Machado, Cattell Marte, Jeremy Pena, Gene Segura, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who I believe will take home the MLB batting crown this season. We'll get to that in the next segment. Juan Soto, Eloy Jimenez, Julio Rodriguez, and Teoscar Hernandez round out this list. Now, the Dominican Republic is very notable for producing very talented MLB players. Let's move on to Canada, and the only one you guys will know on this list is Freddie Freeman. That's it. They don't really have anyone that I know of or any of you guys know of. Let's move on to Mexico. Randy Rosarena and Alex Verdugo are the notable ones here. Randy Rosarena, of course, on the Tampa Bay Rays. And Alex Verdugo, of course, on the Boston Red Sox as a good outfielder. Cuba. We got hope. We got a name I have not heard in a long time, guys. Yoannis Cespedes. You guys remember that? A you probably don't, but anyway, he is on this team as well as Luis Robert and Yoan Moncada. Both of them are on the Chicago White Sox. Now, Yoan is Cespedes. He was on the Oakland Athletics. He's been on the New York Mets. He was on the Mets team in 2015 when they lost the World Series to my Kansas City Royals. Let's move on to the managers of the World Baseball Classic. Starting off with the USA, Mark DeRosa, who is an analyst on MLB Network, who I just remember was an analyst on MLB Network before this even started. Venezuela, it's Omar Lopez, first base coach for the Houston Astros. Puerto Rico, the manager is Yadier Molina, former catcher for the St. Louis Cardinals. For the Dominican Republic, it's Ronnie Linares. 
For Canada, it's Ernie Witt, former catcher from 1976 until 1991. And for Mexico, it's a Benji Gill, infield coach for the Los Angeles Angels. All right, guys, we're going to take another quick break coming up. I'll be talking about the Royals Hall of Fame and players in that hall. Plus, I'll talk about why the Royals should not move downtown and give you guys some hot takes for the MLB season. You're listening to Inside the Diamond on UCM The Beat. In 2020, men died by suicide 3.88 times more than women. That number is way too high. That's why the National Suicide Prevention Hotline is available to all men. Call 988 if you are struggling. You're not alone. There is help. One in nine people worldwide go to bed hungry each night. That's why UCM students and faculty are encouraged to visit the UCM Campus Cupboard. Campus Cupboard is a volunteer-based charity dedicated to alleviating hunger and financial burdens in the UCM community. Any UCM faculty, staff member, or student who presents a valid ID may select 10 items per week from Campus Cupboard. Campus Cupboard is located in the lower level of the UCM Student Rec and Wellness Center and is open Tuesday through Thursday from 3 to 5.30 p.m. UCM The Beat, the one and only radio station of the University of Central Missouri. Alright guys, welcome back to Inside the Diamond. Now for those of you who do not know, Ned Yost was elected into the Royals Hall of Fame. Now you might be asking, what is the criteria that a manager or player must get in order to be inducted into the Hall of Fame? Well guys, you were lucky because I looked that up right before this show and you must be active with the ball club for at least three seasons, minimum of 1,500 played appearances or 300 innings pitched. For managers, you must lead the Royals for at least the equivalent of three full seasons. Let's move on to the Royals Hall of Fame members. Some notable ones of that matter. Now, for you old Royals fans, no offense to anyone that's listening. I promise. I'm not trying to offend you, but the Royals have been around for a very long time, and some of you guys may know these players. Some of you may not. If you don't, oh well. Steve Busby is in the Hall of Fame for the Royals, as well as Amos Otis, Cookie Rojas, Paul Splitorf, Dick Hauser. Dick Hauser was the manager for the Royals in 1985 when they won the World Series against the St. Louis Cardinals. Dennis Leonard is also in the Hall of Fame. He was a pitcher for the Royals. Hal McRae, Fred Patek, Mike Sweeney, Brett Saberhagen, Danny Matthews, who is a Royals announcer, who, in my opinion, I think this is going to be one of his last seasons broadcasting for the Royals, sadly, because he's getting up there in age and he doesn't sound as excited as he once did. George Brett is in the Hall of Fame. He's actually in the National Baseball Hall of Fame as well. Jeff Montgomery is in the Royals Hall of Fame as well as the owner at the time, Ewing Kaufman. Now, let's see about Ned Yost. Ned Yost, for those of you who do not remember, led the Royals to a World Series championship. Let's go over his stats as a manager, shall we? You guys might find this interesting. He managed the Kansas City Royals from 2010 to 2019. 2019, he retired. He was named the Royals manager on May 13, 2010, replacing Trey Hillman. Prior to the 2012 season, the Royals signed Yost to a contract extension through the 2013 season. In the 2013 season, Yost posted a 86-76 record with the Royals, their first winning season since 2003. Ned Yost earned his 1,000th career victory as a manager in 2016 in the Royals' 3-2 victory over the Chicago White Sox. In 2016, he was successful on a higher percentage of replay challenges than any other MLB manager with 10 or more challenges at 67.6%. 
On September 23, 2019, Yost announced that he would retire at the end of the 2019 season. He finished his Royals career with 687 wins and 736 losses, both being franchise records for a manager in Royals history. Now, the last one, pretty embarrassing, if you ask me. Not only did he manage the Kansas City Royals, he also managed the Atlanta Braves, for those of you who do not know. Now, let's talk about the downtown stadium. Oh, my gosh. John Sherman, what are you thinking, my guy? Why are you trying to move the Royals downtown? Are you trying to Are you trying to get us to tank so you can move downtown? Because maybe downtown's closer to his home, which I'd understand because he doesn't really want to leave, but man, I don't What is he thinking? I'm going to tell you why I don't think that the that they should actually move the stadium downtown. Here's why. First off, the parking down there is going to be a complete and discombobulated mess. Okay? The parking down there is absolutely ridiculous. You'd have to park in the parking garage, which would not necessarily be the best option. But, hey, if you want to move downtown, so be it. Now... If they move downtown, I will still support the team. Let's move on to some hot takes for this upcoming MLB season. The Mets will not win it all this year. I am going to have to agree with this. They did not get Carlos Correa. They have some very talented pitchers like Justin Verlander. They have Edwin Diaz. But aside from that, they really don't have anyone. But, I mean, you know, it, anything can happen in the MLB for sure. You never know with this sport. It's a very weird sport. Here's another one. Aaron Judge will not repeat as home run champion. I am going to have to agree with this because here's the thing, guys. It's hard enough to repeat as a home run champion. It's a modest goal for sure. But Judge wasn't just the home run champ in 2022. He was the home run champ by 16 home runs. Okay? 16 home runs. That is incredible. I mean, I can't even hit for power. Of course, I'm not a baseball player, so. In a year of depressed power numbers, his output was extraordinary, and picking against him in this particular category seems as foolish as leaving him a fastball over the middle of the plate, which any player in the which any pitcher in the MLB knows you do not give a player a pitch right down the middle that's a horrible decision a fresh season however is a fresh page it's not like judge gets to begin the campaign with a 16 homer lead on the field we're going to see the continuation of a trend in which we had we have not had a repeat MLB home run champ since Jose Bautista in 2010 and 2011. So, who will out-homer the Yankees champion? A healthy Mike Trout could do it. You know, he's coming off a career-best 8% homer rate in 2022, shortened by injury, of course. Jordan Alvarez, Kyle Schwarber, and Pete Alonso are also good possibilities. But, me personally, I'm taking the... 2021 home run champ Vladimir Guerrero Jr. who wasn't able to reach the high bar he set for himself this past season but who nevertheless was in the 96th percentile in average exit velocity 99th in max exit velocity and 94th in hard hit percentage the translation whatever he hits he destroys Rocky reference right there for you who don't know Plus, he's only 24 years old on opening day. 24 years old, guys. Will Shohei Otani be traded? No. Shohei Otani will not be traded. The other way to word this question is, will the Angels be contenders at the trade deadline? My answer to that one is yes. They could be if they get enough production from their 
stars like Mike Trout, Hunter Renfro. They also have Tyler Anderson and Shohei Otani, who I think should get a huge contract extension. His manager, even excuse me, his agent even said that it would be hard to negotiate in the regular season. So that leads me to believe that he will get contract negotiations this spring training instead of in the regular season so that the Angels can focus on trying to end their drought. Now, for those of you who do not know what the Angels drought is, they have not been to the playoffs since 2014 when they had the supposedly the best record in all of baseball and they unfortunately, well, fell up short, as always. Now, will the Astros own the AL again? And the answer to this is no. Now, the Astros have reached six straight league championship series and have won four of them. Even after losing Verlander, they will enter the 2023 season as the obvious favorites for the AL pennant at a minimum. With the return of Michael Brantley and the addition of Jose Abreu, their lineup is as strong as ever. From Valdez and Christian Javier stepping into larger roles and Hunter Brown, a breakout candidate, the starting staff could also be as strong as ever. But here's the thing. That's the, the prevailing storyline of the AL is a bunch of teams trying to catch out of Houston. That's the storyline within the, the division where the aforementioned Angels will try to make the most of their final season of control of Otani, where the Rangers are spending gobs of money to rush their rebuild, and where the Mariners are trying to build off their first October entry in a generation. For those of you who do not know, the Mariners broke the 20-year playoff drought last season. On paper, the Astros still are better than all of these teams. But there's another storyline elsewhere, especially with the Yankees and Blue Jays both fortifying their rotations in a bit to better their chances of advancement within October. But knowing the Yankees, they'll they'll choke it away like always. On paper, the Astros, want, like I said, are still better than all of them. As a result, they are going to win the AL West again. But... The Astros are still good, and there is another opportunity to take a contrarian stance, so here it is. After going a combined 18-5 and in the ALDS in the last six years, Houston will finally be humbled in a best of five because the Cleveland Guardians are going to take over, and they're going to get to the ALCS. Have the Padres overtaken the Dodgers to an extent Yes, they have. I'll tell you why. They traded away, the Dodgers traded away Trey Turner for basically nothing. And the Padres got Xander Bogarts and Juan Soto. They have a stud. They have a very good team. And I think that... And that so in the 2022 AL NLDS, the Padres slayed the Giant on the heels of the Dodgers' franchise record 111 win season, no less. They got their first AFC. Excuse me, it's not football somewhere. Come on, they got their first ALC N, NLCS in a long time, which I was very shocked about because they were underdogs against the Dodgers. They also traded away. Unfortunately, Josh Bell. Now, will a central team finally make the LCS? My thing is, yes. Now, the last three NLCS rounds have all been between teams from the East and the West. It's even worse than the AL, where the Central hasn't been represented on the LCS stage since 2016. The now Cleveland Guardians, who were at the time the Cleveland Indians... Cleveland Guardians. The six-year absence is the longest any division has gone without LCS advancement since the LCS was first contested under the three-division format in 1995. 
Both reigning central winners, the Cardinals and the Guardians, have significantly improved their offenses this winter, and after successfully defending their division titles, they will both play in the LCS. The Guardians will be the ones to take down the Astros, while the Cardinals will be the one to take down the Padres. Your 2023 LCS matchups will be Cardinals versus Dodgers and Guardians versus Yankees. So, who's going to win it all? My prediction is the Dodgers. I know that doesn't really make sense. Actually, no, I'm going to change my pick. I am going to take the San Diego Padres to be the next the next World Series champions. They're a very good team. They got Xander Bogarts, one of the best shortstops in the entire MLB. All right, guys, we're going to take one more quick break. Coming up, I'll be talking about spring training games this week and who I think will win. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Inside the Diamond right here on UCM The Beat. Did you know that millions of animals are either abused or abandoned every year in the United States? Donate to your local animal shelter today. And if you have room in your home, why not adopt a furry little friend to add to your family? Be a part of the change. Be a part of saving a helpless animal's life. Hey everybody, Rachel Ray here. Nothing puts a bigger smile on my face than cooking up a big meal for family and friends. But there's not enough room at my table for the 17 million kids in America who are struggling with hunger. These children, that's one out of every five, often have to skip meals because there's just nothing to eat in the kitchen. Yet there's more than enough healthy, nutritious food produced right here in America to feed every last hungry child. If only there was a way to get it to them. That's why the Feeding America nationwide network of food banks collects surplus food to give hope to hungry kids and their families all across our country. But they can't do it without your help. Join me in supporting Feeding America at your local food bank and at feedingamerica.org. Together, we can solve hunger. Together, we're Feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council. Hey America, we need to have a little talk. I don't know if you've noticed, but we got a lot of food in this country. A lot of peaches, a lot of corn, a lot of apples, a lot of everything. We've got so much food that we can't even eat it all. So if we got all this extra food, how are 17 million kids in America struggling with hunger? I just don't get it. That's why the Feeding America nationwide network of food banks gathers surplus food and gets it to the hungry kids who need it. They can get you food even if you live in Idaho or Alaska or somewhere crazy like that. This isn't complicated. We got extra food and we got hungry kids. Feeding America's done the math. Now it's your turn. Support Feeding America and your local food bank at feedingamerica.org. I know you got internet on your phone, so what are you waiting for? We can't do it without your help. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. All right, everybody in the car, let's go. What are we going to do first when we get there, Mom? Go for a hike? Sure. What about canoeing? Can we go canoeing, too? I don't see why. How long does it take to get to the forest? It's not that far, sweetie. (sighs) Are we there yet? Yep, we're here. Already? It's a short drive from your neighborhood to your naturehood. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a neighborhood park or green space near you. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the U.S. Forest Service. time in the making but it's finally here you see him the beat welcome back to inside the diamond guys spring training starts this week on friday i am so freaking excited this is going to be a great off season excuse me a great spring training Let's go over the games that are being played this week. On Friday, it's three games. We have the Rangers and the Royals. I think the Royals could win this one if the pitching is good. However, I do not think that the starters are going to get much playing time because they never do in spring training, like I said earlier. 
Next up, we got the Huskies and the Red Sox. Now, you might be wondering, who are the Huskies? Well, guys, they're a college team. They're a Division I team from Northeastern University. They're the Northeastern University Huskies. This is just an exhibition game. I'll take the Red Sox because they're more professional. Moving on to the last game on Friday, we're going to have the Seattle Mariners taking on the San Diego Padres. I'm going to take the Padres. They are a far better team than the Mariners with their offseason additions like Xander Bogarts. They also got Juan Soto for a long period of time. Now let's move on to the Saturday games. The Royals and Rangers play each other once again. Now I'm going to take the Rangers in this one. Starters will most likely not have as many bats in this one as they did in the first one. Which, as I said earlier, I think I've said many, many times in this show already, they never do get at-bats in the in spring training just so they can rest up. Mets and the Astros with the Mets having a split squad. I'll take the Mets in this one because the Astros will most likely sit a lot of starters like Jose Altuve, Jeremy Pena. They're also without Justin Verlander this season. Now, that's not to say they won't win. I just think that the Mets on paper are a little bit better of a team in spring training than the Astros are. The Nationals and the Cardinals, I'll take the Cardinals. The Nationals are overrated, and they just plain suck since they had, get this, guys, the worst record in the MLB last season. They went 55-107. and 107. How do you do that? Were you just trying to tank so you could get the number one pick? Well, guess what? I think you did. You did just that. You tanked. Congratulations. What, do you want a gold medal, please? The Blue Jays and the Pirates are up next. I'll go ahead and take the Blue Jays there. A more talented roster. Plus, the Pirates are nothing. They haven't been anything ever since they were last in the postseason. In the year 2015, they got first rounded by the Chicago Cubs in the wild card round. Moving on, we're going to have the Twins and the Orioles, and the Twins are also going to be on a split squad. I'll take the Orioles in this one. I say that because... The other half of the squad, meaning the starters, will be in the other location. The Rays and the Twins, I'm going to take the Twins in this one since it will be mostly starters that are playing in that game. The Phillies and the Tigers, and the Phillies once again are on a split squad. Man, there's a lot of split squad games this weekend, huh? I'm going to take the Tigers again. Starters will most likely be in the other location. Just getting some work in for starters, you know. They don't really get as many chances. So in the offseason, at least, they don't get many chances to prove their success. The Red Sox and the Braves, I'll take the Braves. They have a better roster than the Red Sox. After the Red Sox traded away Xander Bogarts, they somehow got worse. I don't know how, but they got worse. The Yankees and the Phillies and the Yankees. Excuse me. The Phillies, words somewhere, come on. The Phillies are in a split squad once again. I'll take the Phillies. The Stars will be playing here against the Yankees and will dominate. All right. I love this. The Guardians and the Reds. Come on. Is this even a question? I'm going to take the Guardians, okay? The Guardians have a way better roster than the Cincinnati Reds. They have Jose Ramirez. They have excellent pitching with Shane Bieber, Zach Plesak, no, Shane Bieber is not related to Justin Bieber, in case you're wondering. Moving on, we got the Diamondbacks and the Athletics. And the Diamondbacks are on a split squad. I'll go ahead and take the Diamondbacks. The Athletics are just pathetic. All right. They had the second worst record in the MLB last season. The Giants and the Cubs. I'll take the Cubs. The Giants got worse by not getting Carlos Correa and no superstar bats. When you don't get superstar bats in the MLB you don't really have a good chance of making the playoffs and to begin with. But I could be wrong. You know, I usually am. Next up, the Padres and the White Sox. I'll take the Padres. Sandra Bogos will shine in this game. The White Sox didn't really get any good players in the offseason. Yes, they got Andrew Benintendi, but that's all they got. I'll take the Angels against the Angels and the Mariners. They got better this offseason. 
Dodgers and Brewers, I'll take the Dodgers. The Brewers got worse somehow. I don't even know how that's possible. Marlins and Mets, I'll take the Marlins. They have a very good roster. And Justin Verlander, usually in the spring training, is very good, but he doesn't really pitch that often. Moving on, let's see. We got the Rockies and the Diamondbacks. I'll take the Rockies. Even though both of these teams are absolutely horrible, I think the Rockies have the talent in this game. Moving on to the Sunday games, I'm going to have the... We're going to have the Mariners and the Royals. I'll take KC. They have a better roster this year than last year. I'll take the Orioles against the Tigers. I'll take the Astros against the Nationals. Like I said... The Nationals are just horrendous, and I think they're, they are going to be for a long time. After winning the World Series in 2019, they've taken a step back. We got the Braves and the Yankees. I'll take the Braves. Got the Twins and the Phillies. I'll take the, I'll take the Twins. Rays and Red Sox. I'll take the Rays. Yankees and Blue Jays, I'm going to take the Yankees, even though the Blue Jays have the more talented roster. The Yankees pitching is very dominant, and I think they will continue to be this season. Moving on, we got the Cubs and the Dodgers. I'm going to go the opposite here and take the Chicago Cubbies. The Dodgers got rid of a lot of solid players like Cody Bellinger, and the Cubs got better with Dansby Swanson, Cody Bellinger, obviously, on the Cardinals. Excuse me, on the Cubs now. What am I thinking? The Reds and the Giants, come on. Is this even a question? I'm going to take the Giants every single time because the Reds just flat out suck. I don't think that they are going to be much of anything. We've got, we got the Rangers and the Guardians. I'll take the Guardians. Their offense is very, very good, and they have a better roster than the Rangers. Hitting-wise, yes. Pitching-wise, the Rangers had the better roster, but it's not about pitching this year. It's more about the hitting, I think. That's my personal opinion. Moving on, we got the D-backs and the Padres. I'm going to take the San Diego Padres in this one. The Diamondbacks are, once again, just horrible. White Sox and Angels, I'll take the Angels. Because the White Sox got worse somehow. Now, like I said, I don't know how you get worse. You get worse by trading away some of your best players. You traded away Jose Abreu. Come on. How do you do that? Jose Abreu is one of the best first basemen in the entire MLB. All right? You cannot just trade him away like he's a piece of garbage. Moving on, the Brewers and the Rockies. I'm going to take the Brewers in this one. The Rockies don't have any talent whatsoever on their roster. And the Brewers and the Athletics. Once again, the Brewers on a split squad. I'll take the Oakland Athletics because the Brewers are most likely going to have a bunch of starters sitting out for this game. So, I already talked about the Royals Hall of Fame election requirements. Now, let's talk about the National Baseball Hall of Fame for for just a little bit. A baseball player must be active, must have been active as a player in the major leagues at some time during a period beginning 20 years before and ending five years prior to election. Player must have played in at least 10 Major League Championship seasons, some part of which must have been within the period described in the first rule, which was 20 years. Player shall have ceased to be an active MLB player for at least five calendar years preceding the election, but may otherwise be connected to baseball. In case of a death of an active player, or a player who has been retired for less than five full years, a candidate who is otherwise eligible shall be eligible in the next regular election held at least six months after the date of death or at the end of the five-year period, whichever occurs first. And any player on baseball's ineligible list shall not be an eligible candidate. All right, guys, that's going to do it for this 
second episode of Inside the Diamond. Join me next week at 2 p.m. to hear me recap the first week of spring training games. Plus, we're going to talk about some other stuff, which I'll... Plus, we'll talk about the remaining 15 teams' salaries and more. Stay tuned, guys. Have a great week, and as always, go Royals!